What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Primetime Sports Podcast, hosted by Joe and Maylari. I hope you guys all had a great weekend. Hope you guys are having a great start to this week. So today's episode is going to be primarily about baseball. I'll update you guys on some news across the MLB. Talk about how the Red Sox are playing as of late. They actually just picked up their first serious AL series win this past weekend. I know they beat the Baltimore Orioles in a one-game series last week. I don't consider that really a series win since it's just one game. I think series should be two or more games. So the Red Sox just picked up their first big AL East series win. Obviously, it's come too late into the season. Now, 12 series in, the Red Sox are 1-10-1 in the AL East. But nevertheless, they just won their first series win. So I'll talk about the Red Sox. And then I'll also break down some news across the NFL from week one of the preseason. I'll talk about some big things that happened in week one of the preseason. Tomorrow, I'm going to be doing my Giants Patriots recap. That's going to be its own episode so to start off with the Red Sox, they took two of three against the Yankees this past weekend at Fenway. Now one ten and one in the AL East this year in series wins. So one win in twelve series in the AL East, which is brutal. Now they play the Pirates, though fourth worst team in the major leagues for three games. So obviously they make up some ground. They're five games out of that third wild card spot in the AL. Three games against Pittsburgh on the road. Three games against Baltimore on the road. I think if you go five and one. Over that six-game stretch, maybe make up two games, maybe chip away, maybe three games, and try to move up closer to that third wild card spot. So for the Red Sox, now they do have Kika Hernandez coming back and Rob Refsnyder, both of them coming off from the IL. Yoma Sanchez will be DFA to make room for the returns of both Hernandez and Refsnyder. Hernandez will be playing shortstop tonight to give Bogut the night off. He didn't have an infield glove with him, though. Four pregame warm-ups, according to Boston Globe writer Alex Spear. So he's using... Trevor Story's glove now, I guess, so maybe not the best sign for the starting shortstop in tonight's game. He doesn't have his own glove. According to Alex Bear, he was confused out there in warm-up, so hopefully he has things together once we play in the game tonight. The Sox have been plagued with so many injuries as of late, so with Yoma Sanchez, he was hitting 108 on the year with two RBIs, a 108 slugging percentage, a 214 on base percentage, and a 322 OPS, but he still played 14 games because this Red Sox team didn't have Christian Arroyo or Trevor Story to play second base. So, that's the tough part. Sanchez found himself in the lineup a lot of games these past couple weeks because Devers was hurt at one point. So you had Dahlbeck playing third base. You had Arroyo out. You had Trevor Story out. So Sanchez found himself in the lineup in 14 games and he was hitting 108. The Red Sox just didn't have an option. And now with Arroyo back healthy and Hernandez back healthy, now Arroyo can go back into the infield. He's been hitting great there in the past week. And now with Kiki Hernandez back, he can be back in center field. So... He is playing shortstop tonight, though, but still, though, it's good for the Red Sox, though, having those guys back. The Sox are 4-6 in their last 10 games. They did win, though, three out of the last four. One thing about the Red Sox, though, right now is that Devis has been struggling at the plate. Rafael Devis is hitting 305 on the year, which is still good, but he was at 324 at the All-Star break. In his last 13 games since the All-Star break, he's hitting just 177 with a 236 on base percentage, a 648 OPS, three home runs, seven RBIs, and nine strikeouts to four walks in those 13 games. And another player that's been struggling, Xander Bogats. He's been having a tough time at the plate, hitting 161 with a 440 OPS, 182 on base percentage, and zero home runs with two RBIs and four strikeouts with two walks in his last eight games. Hitting 161 in his last eight games for one of your best hitters in the lineup. Then you look at Devis hitting 177 over his last 13 games. Those are your two best hitters right there. Both of them have been struggling heavily at the plate as of late. Hopefully that turns around in this Pittsburgh Pirates series. With both those guys struggling, though, at the same time, the Red Sox really haven't been generating any offense besides Verdugo and Pham. Alex Verdugo and Tommy Pham have been 
a lot of the offense over the past couple of weeks now. Same thing with Christian Arroyo. All three of those guys have really been the only key pieces of that Red Sox offense. J.D. Martinez has been struggling still. Now, since July 16th, the 20 games, his last 20 games played since July 16th, he's hitting 153 with a 203 on base percentage, 208 slugging percentage, a 411 OPS, and zero home runs. Only nine home runs on the year for him, so clearly his power is down. His power is honestly gone. He's not going to be hitting 35-plus home runs probably again in his career. He has 24 strikeouts of four walks over his last 20 games. Eight RBIs in those 20 games with three runs scored. Three runs scored in 20 games. I mean, he's getting on base. Not much, obviously. But three runs scored in his last 20 games? you got to be better than that, especially a guy that was hitting fourth or fifth in your lineup now for the better of, or three, four, third, fourth, or fifth, for the better of the entire season. Now he's following the lineup to sixth. But really, the Red Sox need help. But on the bright side, Christian Arroyo, Tommy Pham, and Alex Rodugo have all been hitting well. Arroyo hitting 380 since returning to the IL after that atrocious play he had in right field against the Yankees a month ago. He's hitting 380 now in his last 14 games, the 426 on base percentage, a 560 slugging percentage, and a 986 OPS with three runs batted in. He's 19 for 50 in his last 14 games since that tough play in right field against the Yankees. Tommy Pham, the Red Sox acquired him at the trade deadline from the Cincinnati Reds, hitting 264 with the Red Sox in 12 games since being acquired from Cincinnati, has a 291 on base percentage, a 528 slugging percentage, an 819 OPS, three home runs, nine RBIs, nine strikeouts. 19 strikeouts, that is. Nine runs scored, 19 strikeouts or two walks in those 12 games with the Red Sox. 19 strikeouts or 12 games is not great at all. Obviously, you can tell he strikes out a ton. But as a 291 on base percentage and an 819 OPS, still both of those are better than what you were getting out of Jeremy Duran and Kike Hernandez for the majority of the season with both of those guys being your leadoff hitters. As for Alex Verdugo, in his last nine games, he's a 419 batting average with a 514 on base percentage, a 742 slugging percentage, and a 1255 OPS with a home run, two RBIs, and seven runs scored in his last nine games. In his last 32 games since July 9th, Alex Verdugo is hitting 331 with a 373 on base percentage, a 458 slugging percentage, and 831 OPS, one home run, 11 RBIs, and 12 runs scored. He did hit 238 in April, and that's why his batting average still isn't at 300, which it would be if he hit, let's say, 260 or 250 in April. His batting average would probably be somewhere around 300 right now. But since May, he's hitting 284 with four home runs, 41 RBIs, 41 runs scored, a 332 on base percentage, and a 731 OPS. Much improved. The Red Sox really needed it. One of my favorite plays on the Red Sox. I'd probably put him actually number one. I love Verdugo a lot. Love the energy he brings to the game every night. Brings a personality and a swagger. I think that's something you really can't get out of every single player in today's game. Love what Verdugo does to the plate every night. and I'm, love, I'm loving that he's locked in right now. The Red Sox really need him to be at the top of his game. That's what he's been doing now since May 1st. Nick Pavetta will be pitching for the Red Sox tonight versus the Pirates. In his last 12 starts, he is 3-5 with a 5-4-3 ERA, 66 strikeouts, 26 walks, 66 Ks in 68 innings pitched. Hopefully the Red Sox can get five, six solid innings out of him tonight. Hopefully get a win, get him back on the positive side now. As I said, he's 3-5 in his last 12 starts. Hopefully he can get closer to being positive, maybe be 4-5 if he wins tonight. Maybe gets another win at the end of this week, maybe Saturday or Sunday, and improves that record to 5-5 five five in his last 14 games it would be by then. Michael Walker was unreal for Red Sox on Sunday Night Baseball. On Sunday night, the Red Sox played the Yankees. Huge win for the Red Sox. They 
needed that win desperately, as I said. Now their first series win in the AL East on the year. Their first real series win. They did beat the Baltimore Orioles in a one-game series last week, but I do not consider that a series win. As I said earlier this episode, you really need a series to be two-plus games, not just one. So as for Waka, he returned from the IL on Sunday night. His first start actually since June 28th, so it's been a month and a half now since he last pitched for the Red Sox. He went seven innings against the Yankees, two hits allowed, nine strikeouts to one walk, and zero earned runs. Improved his record on the year to 7-1 and one with a 2-4-4 ERA. He was absolutely elite and dominant, and the Red Sox really needed it. Big stage, Sunday night baseball. Red Sox got the win, now heading into this series against the Pittsburgh Pirates are now 3-1 and one in their last four games played, and now play six games against the Pirates and the Orioles. Obviously, the Orioles are not an easy team to beat. They've been playing great as of late, but the Pirates, so you have three games against them. Hopefully, they sweep the Pirates and maybe win two out of three against the Orioles. 5-1 and one in these six games would be huge for this Red Sox club. So now I'm going to move on to stories across the MLB, some big headlines. Johnny Cueto has been elite for the Chicago White Sox this year. 5-5 five and five on the year with the 2.78 ERA. Right now, would actually have his best ERA in a season since 2014. He had a 2.25 ERA that year for the Cincinnati Reds. He has 71 strikeouts, 24 walks, and 110 innings pitched this year for the White Sox with 34 earned runs in 16 starts, 17 appearances. He did have one relief appearance, so 17 games total. Has allowed over four-plus earned runs in just one of his 16 starts. So that means he's allowed three earned runs or fewer in every start but one. So 15 of his 16 starts, he's allowed three earned runs or less. And yesterday was probably his best game of the year. Eight innings versus Houston Astros, allowing one earned run, three strikeouts, one walk, six hits, got the W, and had 70% strikes against that powerful Houston Astros team. And the Astros have the second-best record in the major leagues, tied with the New York Mets. So number one, the Los Angeles Dodgers, 80-34. and 34. The Mets are 75-41. and 41. And then you look at the Houston Astros, 75-42. and 42. So technically, the Mets would have half a game up on that Houston Astros team. But wins-wise, they have the second-most wins in baseball, tied with the New York Mets. And then you look at it, they have the best record in the American League by three games over the Yankees. They've been playing great baseball as of late, 6-4 in their last 10 games. And on the year, have a plus 139 run differential. Only the Yankees have a better run differential in the American League. The Yankees are plus 197. And in all of baseball, the Astros are third in run differential. Number one's the LA Dodgers. The Los Angeles Dodgers are plus 251. 614 runs scored to 363 runs allowed. Absolutely ridiculous. Plus 251. Then second, the New York Yankees, 596 runs scored, 399 runs allowed, a plus nine, plus 197 run differential. And then third is the Houston Astros team with plus 139. A team that can score a lot of runs, have been playing great baseball as of late, and Johnny Cueto goes against them yesterday and has his best start of the year, in my opinion, especially considering the team he's going up against. 70% strikes, one earned run, and eight innings pitched, three strikeouts, one walk, and six hits allowed. Great game for him. So now speaking of the Yankees, 2-8 and eight in their last 10 games, 7-13 in the last 20, 2-10 in their last 12 games played, 3-10 in the month of August. They are 8-16 since the All-Star break with 99 runs scored and 101 runs allowed, a minus two run differential. And there's only one positive thing for the Yankees right now. Aaron Judge has been playing great, still hot as of late. He leads the MLB in home runs with 46. Leads the MLB also and runs batted in with 100. Leads the MLB and runs scored with 96. Leads the entire major leagues. Also total bases with 283. OPS leads it again with a 107.1 OPS. And also leads in slugging percentage with a 674 slugging percentage on the year. So if you look at Judge, he leads the entire league. Leads the MLB in home runs of 46, 
RBIs with 100, runs scored with 96, slugging percentage with a 674 slugging percentage, OPS with a 1071 OPS, and total bases with 283. He's had a great season. It's just the Yankees have been struggling as of late, 8 and 16 since the All Star break. And honestly, it's not getting easier for them because they still haven't found their footing after the All-Star break. And they already lost Michael King for the year, one of their best relievers. Clay Holmes has not been pitching great as of late. And then Jacob Stanton's been hurt too. So this Yankees team has been struggling, but one bright spot, Judge is still hitting great. And obviously it's still a long season. They still have a ways to go to get back on track. But 2-10 in their last 12 games, 3-10 in the month of August, the Yankees got to get going and get back on track. So I know I was talking about the Los Angeles Dodgers being the number one team in baseball. They still are the number one team in my power rankings. But I was saying how scary they're going to be in a week or two to a month when they get Dustin May, Clayton Kershaw, and it was supposed to be in the middle of September, so a month away, when they get Walker Buehler back. And now Walker Buehler, their ace, will be out the rest of the season with that elbow injury. May now also need Tommy John surgery, so not good news there for the Los Angeles Dodgers or their ace, Walker Buehler. He was 6-3 on the year with a 4-0-2 ERA. He was fourth in Cy Young voting in the National League last year. He had a great year last year, 2-4-7 ERA with a 16-4 record on the mound. He has not pitched since June 10th and will now miss the rest of the season, as I said. Tough blow for that Los Angeles Dodgers pitching staff, but they do still have Dustin May and Clayton Kershaw coming back at some time, and they're still hitting a ton and pitching great. Tony Gonsolin's been great on the year. Obviously, still have great hitting as well. Mookie Betts, Freddie Freeman, Justin Turner, Cody Bellinger, former MVP. I know he's not having a great year still in that lineup. And former MVP hitting ninth. This Dodgers team is scary, and I don't think any team would beat them in a playoff series with all of those guys healthy. But as I said, it'll get interesting once the playoffs come around. Obviously, you have to be playing your best baseball then. So speaking of my power rankings, I had the Dodgers at one. I had the Mets at number two. The Mets just lost starting pitcher Carlos Carrasco for the next three to four weeks with a low-grade oblique strain, according to MLB.com. He's been great on the air, 13-5 record with a 3.92 ERA. Tough loss there for that Mets pitching staff, but they did just get Jacob DeGrom back over the last couple weeks now, and he's been pitching well for them. So things are looking up for the Mets. Obviously, the Dodgers losing Walker Buehler is not great, but both of those teams there still would probably be my number one and number two in my power rankings if I redid my power rankings from last Friday. Jacob DeGrom on the year, 1.62 ERA in three games played. In 16 and two-thirds innings, allowing three earned runs, one home run, one walk, 28 strikeouts to one walk. 28 strikeouts to one walk in 16 to two-thirds innings pitched. He's done it against two playoff teams. The Braves won the World Series last year. The Phillies right now are currently in the wild card. Sole possession, I believe, of the second wild card spot in the National League. Yes, they are second. I just checked it. They are second in the National League wild card spot. And then you look at it. He did it against the Nationals. Obviously not a great team, but... Two really good teams in the Braves and the Phillies, both playing great baseball as of late. Against the Phillies on Saturday, it went six innings, allowing two hits, no runs, 10 strikeouts to no walks, lowered his season ERA to 162. And then against the Braves on August 7th, one hit, two runs allowed, one home run, 12 strikeouts to one walk, and five and two thirds innings pitched. On the year, 28 strikeouts to one walk and 16 and two thirds innings. He's an absolutely dominant. Only six hits allowed and 16 and two thirds innings pitched. Six hits and one walk. That means he has seven base runners. He's allowed seven base runners. Seven. And I'll repeat it again seven base runners and 16 and two thirds innings pitched. 16 and two thirds innings pitched, 28 strikeouts, one walk. And seven base runners. Think about that. That's, it's ridiculous. Seven base runners. 
one walk and six hits allowed in 16 two-thirds innings pitched. Honestly, I just wish we could get him healthy for a whole season just so he could display how dominant he is for a full season. If he could just go 32 games again. He hasn't gone 32 games since 2019. 2020, obviously, the short season went 12 games in that year. But 2021, only 15 games, so missed about half the season. And has only pitched three games in 2022. But his last full season was in 2019, 2-4-3 ERA, 32 games pitched, 11-8 record. With 255 strikeouts, led the entire major leagues in strikeouts in 2019. Also led it in 2020 as well with 104 strikeouts in 68 innings pitched. 255 strikeouts and 204 innings pitched in 2019. If you look at it though, he's been this dominant his entire career. The highest ERA he's had in a single season was 2017 when he had a 3.53 ERA. The lowest ERA he's had, 108 in 2021, which he only played 15 games, but 108 ERA, which is ridiculous. And still finished ninth in Cy Young voting. Only played 15 games. It was ninth in Cy Young voting. He did win the Cy Young twice, 2018 and 2019. And obviously this year is not going to have a chance at it since he always pitched three games. But still the best pitcher in baseball, in my opinion, when he's on and locked in, as you can tell, on the year. As I said, 28 strikeouts to one walk at 16 two-thirds innings pitched. He's been dominant as of late. And hopefully he keeps staying hot for that Mets team. They definitely need it. Definitely need him healthy come playoff time. So now I'm going to transition to the NFL, give some storylines across the NFL in week one of the NFL preseason. The Ravens won their 21st preseason game in a row. They haven't lost a preseason game since 2015. They defeated the Tennessee Titans 23-10. Former BC and Oregon quarterback Anthony Brown was an undrafted free agent signing to the Ravens this past year. He did not get drafted in the draft. Thought he should have been drafted, even if it was later in the draft. He was 10-15 with 117 passing yards, two rushes for 14 yards. They actually just... Got rid of their other backup. Brett Hundley was the other Ravens backup. They actually just cut him. Now they have three quarterbacks on the roster. Lamar Jackson, obviously, their starting quarterback. Then you got Tyler Huntley, their backup quarterback, played very well in that preseason game against the Titans, 16-18 with 109 passing yards and a passing touchdown. He did run three times for 17 yards as well. Very good player. Then you got Anthony Brown, played very well. Now he's their third string quarterback, and maybe he'll make the roster since Lamar Jackson has gotten hurt in the past. And obviously when you have a mobile quarterback like Lamar Jackson, you need mobile backup quarterbacks as well. That's what Huntley is. Anthony Brown can move as well. So you kind of need backup quarterbacks that can step in if Lamar Jackson were to get hurt. I think he's a great candidate to be on that roster. I think it'd be fun to watch him play. Hopefully, if you ever got a chance, if Lamar Jackson ever got hurt, or they bring him in in a gadget play, who knows? But, you know, I'm just spitballing now. But anyways, former BC quarterback as well. I've always been a big fan of him. 10 of 15 for 117 passing yards, two rushes for 14 yards in his NFL preseason debut. For Oregon last year, 19 passing touchdowns to seven interceptions. 2,989 passing yards, 64.1% completion percentage, a 141 passer rating, 151 rushes for 658 rushing yards and nine rushing touchdowns last year, so 28 touchdowns total. Played very well in that preseason game, 10 for 15, 117 passing yards. Threw a couple great passes into tight windows, one of them up the sidelines. I think it was a second pass up that right sideline. Uh, and it was a great pass, about 25, 30 yards. Threw it right over the wide receiver's shoulders and made a great play. So... I think it's going to be interesting to see him play now the next few preseason games. Hopefully he finds himself on that Ravens roster. I've always been a big fan of A.B. Always loved the way he's played. And always loved his ability to pass the ball and run the ball. He can do both at a high level. As I said, 19 passing touchdowns last year for Oregon. 
with nine rushing touchdowns as well, 658 rushing yards, 2,989 passing yards, had a very good year, 151 rushes, 658 rushing yards. So as you can see, he can move the ball on the ground with his feet. And in that Ravens offense, they're going to have an offensive playbook centered around Lamar Jackson, a mobile quarterback, and you need that in your backup quarterback. So like Tyler Huntley, like Anthony Brown. I know Anthony Brown doesn't have the same mobility that Lamar Jackson has or their elusiveness, maybe not even the same as Tyler Huntley, but he's a quarterback that can move on the ground. Just like those two guys, you know, mobile quarterbacks, maybe not to the same degree elusiveness-wise, but he can move just like them, and you need that in your backup quarterbacks. So speaking of mobile quarterbacks, Titans rookie quarterback Malik Willis was great in his preseason debut. Six for 11 with 107 passing yards, five carries for 38 yards, and a touchdown. Played very well, and obviously, as you can tell, he's going to be a backup quarterback this year for the Titans, be their second string right behind Ryan Tannehill. But one thing about him, though, is they drafted him in the third round, and that's a steal considering he could have been a first-round pick in some people's eyes. Offensive tackle Trevor Penning, first-round selection in 2022, 19th overall to the New Orleans Saints. In his preseason debut for New Orleans, he was excellent. 94.5 run block grade from Pro Football Focus, which is short for PFF. PFF is short for Pro Football Focus. He was first among all offensive linemen in week one in run block grade with 94.5 rating. He had a 90.9 rating overall, which is number one among all first-round offensive rookies. He did give up five pressures in a sack, was one of only four rookie offensive linemen to give up five-plus pressures, but was still excellent, though, in his debut, especially considering how great he was run-block-wise, 94.5 grade. Speaking of rookies, Lions edge rusher Aiden Hutchinson, second overall selection in this year's draft from Michigan to the Detroit Lions, played very well in his debut as a rookie, highest-graded rookie defender in Week 1 of the preseason with an 88 grade. In 11 snaps, he drew a holding call and also had a two-yard tackle for a loss. Made noise right away in his first drive on defense. Played very well, and I'm looking forward to seeing him do big things for that Lions defense for this season. Another rookie, still his rookie quarterback, Kenny Pickett. Was 13-15 with 95 passing yards, two passing touchdowns, and a 132.6 passer rating. In his preseason debut for the Pittsburgh Steelers, he's running first-team offense in the two-minute drills at the end of practice today. So maybe he ends up being the starting quarterback. Who knows? I think Trubisky has the job as of now, and maybe we'll see how Pickett plays in the next few games and maybe see if that changes it. He was actually the only quarterback taken in the first round of this year's draft, despite obviously the talk of maybe Malik Willis going first round and a couple other guys were in the talks of it, Matt Corral. Only one quarterback ended up going first round was Kenny Pickett. Next up, Jets second-year quarterback Zach Wilson suffered a leg injury in the preseason opener with the Philadelphia Eagles on a non-contact play with his knee, non-contact injury on a scramble in the open field trying to make a cut. He will miss two to four weeks with a bone bruise and a meniscus tear. I do think he's primed for a big season, though, and honestly, I think he dodged a bullet since he could have been out for the whole year with an ACL injury. But speaking of injuries, that Jets team has had no luck already to the start of the season. Now without Zach Wilson for two to four weeks after getting hurt in a preseason game, then you got Makai Becton, offensive tackle, missed the entire 2022 season with a fractured kneecap. He only played one game in 2022. He was drafted in the first round, 11th overall out of Louisville in the 2020 draft to the New York Jets. He's only played 15 games in his first three years since he's going to miss this season. This season would be his third year in the NFL. He's only played 15 games in his first three years in the NFL, and he's just had bad luck with injuries as that Jets team has had already so short into the season, losing their starting left tackle, right tackle. I think Mekhi Baxter probably would have been their left tackle, and now losing Zach Wilson as well for two to four weeks. He should be back, they say, 
for week one. I think Giannis could have a good year this year as well. So hopefully he gets back for the start of the season. I think he could put up good numbers this year in that Jets system. I think they did very well in the draft. I think they surrounded him very well. And I think the Jets are going to have, honestly, an 8-9 and nine and 9-8 nine and eight year and definitely make a lot of improvements in the second year with Robert Sala. So speaking of quarterbacks... Seahawks quarterback Drew Locke, when kept clean versus Steelers in the pocket, was great. 10 of 12 with 100 passing yards, two passing touchdowns, a 141 passer rating, which was actually first among all quarterbacks when kept clean in the pocket. He was 11 for 15 total in the game with 102 passing yards and two touchdowns. Geno Smith right now was supposed to be the starter. He was the starting quarterback for the Seahawks heading into that preseason game. He did start that game. He was 10 to 15 with 101 passing yards and two rushes for nine yards and a rushing touchdown. But I think Drew Locke probably beats him out by week one, especially considering Drew Locke, when kept clean in the pocket, I know it's only one preseason game, but played very well. 10 for 12, 100 passing yards, two touchdowns and a 141 passer rating with a clean pocket. One last thing I want to mention now about the NFL. I know I've been talking a lot about retirements over the past couple of weeks, which I've mentioned. K.J. Wright, Chris Constant, Derek Wolfe, Ryan Kerrigan, James White last week, which I talked about it with my friend Liam Kenny, who was on here last week talking hockey. We talked about James White's retirement and what that meant for the New England Patriots. Obviously, he was a New England Patriot, third down running back for years. It was obviously great for them and had great success. One retirement I forgot to mention was Mitchell Schwartz, former Kansas City Chiefs offensive tackle, retired after nine seasons in the NFL, was a Super Bowl champion, and also an all-pro selection four times. Very good career for him. And one interesting thing I saw, which I wanted to mention earlier, when I was talking about the Steelers and the Seahawks, the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Seattle Seahawks game had 2.16 million viewers. The Sunday night baseball game between the Red Sox and Yankees had 2.08 million viewers. A preseason game in the NFL between the Red Sox and Yankees had 2.08 million viewers. The Pittsburgh Steelers and Seattle Seahawks preseason game had 2.16 million viewers in week one of the preseason when you're watching backups play for the most part. Besides, obviously, Kenny Pickett and Drew Locke and Geno Smith and Mitch Trubisky. Those are the two quarterback matchups people want to see. Obviously, those are two training camp battles. But besides that, you're watching a good amount of backup quarterbacks. And whatever you want to consider Mitch Trubisky and Kenny Pickett and Geno Smith and Drew Locke. I mean, some people probably see each of those guys as backup quarterbacks as an L. That game had more viewers than the Sunday night baseball game between the Red Sox and Yankees. That just shows how dominant the NFL is. Even a preseason game beats the MLB, a regular season game. And the biggest rivalry of all sports, the New York Yankees, Boston Red Sox, biggest rivalry, most historic rivalry in all sports, had less viewers than a week one preseason game between the Pittsburgh Steelers and Seattle Seahawks. That just shows the NFL just rules the world of sports in America. Obviously, between baseball, basketball, football, and hockey, the NFL is just unmatched. And it's honestly, rightfully so. I mean, everyone loves football season when the fall comes around. And that stat I actually got from Dove Kleinman, who covers the NFL as an independent reporter for the NFL. He pointed out the Red Sox-Yankees game had less viewers than that week one preseason game between the Steelers and Seahawks. As I said, it's, it's crazy because you watch it backups for the most part. Backup defensive backs, backup running backs, backup offensive linemen. Honestly, even backup quarterbacks for a certain degree. I know a lot of people watching that matchup because they want to see Kenny Pickett versus Mitch Trubisky, see who wins that quarterback battle. Obviously, right now, Trubisky looks like he's in the front of that matchup. And then, obviously, everyone wants to see the Seahawks quarterback matchup between Geno Smith and Drew Locke, which, as of now, Geno Smith did start that preseason game, but I think Drew Locke ends up beating him out by week one. And a lot of people would rather see that. Drew Locke and Geno Smith duking it out for the starting role and 
The same thing for Mitch Trubisky and Kenny Pickett. People would rather see that week one of a preseason game and watch backup running backs and backup wide receivers and backup cornerbacks and backup safeties and backup linebackers. They'd rather watch that than the Red Sox-Yankees Sunday night baseball game. The biggest rivalry in all of sports. People would rather see the Steelers and the Seahawks preseason game. And that just shows, as I said, football is unmatched. It's unmatched. Anyways, that concludes today's episode. Thank you guys so much for taking the time to listen to this. As always, I appreciate it. It does mean a lot to me. And hoping to be back on here again soon, hopefully tomorrow, that is, to talk about the Giants and Patriots week one preseason games. The Giants actually ended up winning, so I was very excited. I'll break down that game hopefully tomorrow. Thank you guys so much, as always. I appreciate it. Hope you guys have a good one. Thank you.